Thank you so much, ladies and brother Steve. Isn't it wonderful to be able to sing that song and know that we can trust in his word that no matter what goes on around us, if it seems like uh, the stars have fallen, God's still in control. Amen. Let's look back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43. And uh, we'll eventually springboard over to 1 Kings. But as you're reading this portion of scripture and you look out over the Middle East and you know that Israel needs the comfort of God, doesn't it? They have got rockets. They never know when terrorists are going to attack. So much unrest. And God allows it. And in spite of all that man has done, Israel still stands as a miracle of the ages. They could have been wiped out, and not for a lack of trying, but when the hand of God is upon something, God's going to take care of it. Unfortunately, many lives are going to be lost on both sides. Many who have, been, who have refused to accept the Messiah are going to go out to a crisis eternity. But there is yet going to come out of it a remnant. But there have been times throughout human history, and if you've read anything about the Middle Ages, actually I would say from about 300 on up, even up into the presence, you've got to know that there have been periods of time when Israel has felt so, so lonely. Never knowing where their friends were going to come from. Never knowing when their friends were going to turn on them. But nonetheless, God is not done with Israel. And in the latter days, in the tribulation time period, there will be a remnant that will be saved out of Israel. But there are a lot of things in this life that brings us to the place where we experience loneliness. And so there are many emotions that one may experience from one minute to the next. And some of those emotions seem to hang on forever. Loneliness is one of those emotions that we all experience at one time or another, whether we are young or old. When we changed schools and left our friends behind, we felt lonely. I think as a kid growing up, and my folks moved from Bridge to Maine, and they moved down to uh, Newport, Pennsylvania, which is down outside of the Philadelphia area. I hated it. My grandparents, my aunt, who pretty much raised me along with my grandmother, were back in Bridgeton. And I had to go to a new school where I had no friends. And my brothers and sisters who went ahead of me anyway, they all experienced the same thing. One thing I hated more than anything else was to change schools. Because you're always the odd man out because everybody else has made friends already. And so you go in that classroom the first day and you just feel so lonely. Yeah, on the playground you feel so lonely. When you go to college, you feel lonely. I remember joining the Air Force in 1963. Going to boot camp felt so lonely. Mind you, we had 70-some guys in the same barracks. But you still felt lonely. 
start a new job, move to another location, we tend to feel lonely. We spend what seems a lifetime raising our children in the empty nest. We tend to feel lonely or that we no longer are necessary. I know it's, if they linger, you can't wait for it. But initially, the empty nest syndrome, you sense a loneliness. A lifelong spouse passes away and we become lonely, unbelievably lonely. A lifelong spouse, then we looked at uh, for that day of retirement and it comes. All the plans we have. Oh, we talked about fishing, we talked about hunting, we talked about vacation here and vacation here and doing this and doing that. You retire and all of a sudden, lonely. Not the same old routines, not the same old people around. And you begin to wonder, what am I going to do with my time? Because you can't go fishing every day. I guess maybe you could if you loved it that much. But there are many things in life, in life's events that can impact our lives, leaving us feeling lonely. Sometimes it is found in various spiritual battles that we're dealing with. And it seems that uh, there is no help, no hope. No one seemingly understands and we feel oh so lonely in those battles. No one has ever gone through what I'm going through. And then you read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun. But nonetheless, that's our world. And in that world, we feel lonely. No doubt you can add to this list and circumstances that drive us to feel as though we are completely alone. We can have people all around us be busy and still feel lonely in the midst of it all. Now I can't imagine how the Jews have felt historically or even in this present time when it seems that so few are willing to back them, unwilling to support them or to stand with them at a time when they need to know that they're not alone in this world. Loneliness has a lot to do with our focus. And if our focus is on self, we will enter into a, a mode of self-pity. And we render ourselves weak and useless during that time. Several historical characters from the scriptures who dealt with loneliness that led them to self-pity and what we need to do to overcome this debilitating emotion, we can glean from them. So let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, we pray that you guide and direct us as we look to the message. Sometimes I just feel. Sometimes we're angry. Sometimes we're lonely. Lord, sometimes it's just a whole mix of emotions that leave us bewildered and befuddled. Lord, you never meant for that to be the, the case or the situation. And Lord, we do ask and pray that you guide direct over our minds. Lord, it may be that there's one or more within the sound of my voice today that is going through this. Oh Lord, they may be married, but they may be the only Christian in the home and they're very lonely. Lord, it may be that they're the only Christian at work. And Lord, all the conversation is godless all around them. And Lord, they feel lonely. So Lord, whatever the emotion may be, Lord, we ask and pray that we'll realize that, Lord, you have the solution, you have the answer, you have the fix, and it's in the scriptures. And that, Lord, open our minds, open our eyes we might see, our ears we might hear, and our heart as well, 
to receive what you have, whether it's to salvation or to just rededication. Lord, have your perfect will and your perfect way in Christ's name we pray. Amen. There is only one point. It's a very long point. Not that long, but I'm not breaking it down into two anyway. And point number one is simply, I only, I only. Let's look over to First Kings. First Kings chapter 19. Looking at a man by the name of Elijah. And looking at chapter 19, we'll be reading verses 1 through 4. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And with how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah saying, So, let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when Elijah saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and he requested for himself that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I am not better than my father's. One would think, would you not? If you had just won the greatest victory in your life at the hands of the Lord your God. That you just might be on the mountaintop full of excitement and praising of God, wouldn't you? I mean, you couldn't talk to enough people what God had done. You couldn't share the, the event or whatever it was there. And to get the mind of the people on board. Now, in the previous chapter, 18, Elijah did what, uh, did what over uh, 400 false prophets could not do. Now, there was a challenge. And the challenge was that the prophets of Baal would erect an altar and put their sacrifice on it and call upon their god, Baal, to send down fire from heaven and to consume the sacrifice. Elijah said, and I'll do the same. And whosoever God sends fire is whose God we will be. And so the challenge is on. And so they did their thing. They built their altar, put their sacrifice on it. And they began to do their mumble jumble. And they danced and they pranced and they hooped and they hollered and they cut themselves and did everything they could possibly do. And Elijah's over there kind of, <laughs> hey, maybe he's asleep. Maybe he went to lunch. You know, all those kind of things there. Mocking them. Because Baal was just an idol. Lifeless, listless idol. And so, Elijah even made the challenge more interestingly, interesting I should say, by soaking his sacrifice and the altar. And he had him do it multiple times. To make sure that not even a spark could light the sacrifice. And at the time of the evening, Sacrifice. Fire came down and it licked up all the water in the trenches and burnt the sacrifice of Elijah. Elijah had the prophets of Baal 400 taken down by the valley and had them all slain. 
course, this didn't set very well with Jezebel. But the false prophets of Baal were a failure. Yet they begged, they pleaded, they cut themselves in an attempt to move their idol Baal to no avail. And I couldn't help but think behind the veil how Satan must have been chomping at the bit. Let me at him. Let me at him. I'll set that thing on fire. Let me loose. Let me loose. And there was God seemed to say, you move an inch. Don't move an inch. <laughs> Nothing ever happened until Elijah called down fire. God to intervene, and God did. So Elijah encourages those false prophets to make it as impossible as they could. You read about it in chapter 18. Let's just look back in the verses 33 through 35. And in verse 33, the Bible says, And he put the wood in order, and cut the bullock in pieces, and laid him on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice, and on the wood. And he said, Do it a second time. And he said, Do it uh, a third time. And uh, they did. And the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things by thy word. And so Elijah prays and fire comes down and burns his sacrifice to God. And the hand of God was on Elijah and that day, oh over 400 false prophets died because God showed himself strong. Now, guess what Elijah did in response? Chapter 19, verses 3 and 4. And when Elijah saw that he saw that, or the message that he was giving to him, he rose and went for his life. He was just facing off against 400 prophets of Baal, and he's worrying about this woman sending even an army that God can handle with no problem whatsoever. But, it says, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree and had a pity party. That's what loneliness tends to do. But he had a pity party. He said, no, nobody knows what I'm, what I'm going through. Nobody knows what I'm dealing with. Nobody's been through what I've been through. Well, you're wrong. You're lying to yourself and you're deceiving yourself. So, guess what Elijah did in response? He had, as you see in verse 4, a pity party for himself. And it gets better, or worse, if you will, in 1 Kings 19, 9 through 10. In verse 9, it says, And he, that is, Elijah came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of Israel, for the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars and slain thy, thy prophets and, and, and the sword. And I, even I only, Even I only. Well, hopefully you caught the question the Lord asked him in verse 9. What doest thou here? 
Lord, I've got things for you to do. No, no time for vacation. No time for hiding out in caves. No time for this silliness here. Lord, you just, uh, Elijah, you just had a great victory. And, and you're worrying about this woman? You don't, you don't think I can't handle her? I'm sure the Lord would have expressed all that to him. But what doest thou here? The answer is twofold. He was running for his life as though God couldn't protect him. God's always got your back. If something happens, it's because God allowed it. And if God allowed it, he allowed it to happen for a reason. But secondly, to add insult to injury, Elijah was doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's as if he had thrown in the towel and said, what good is it? I just won this great victory and now this woman's after my life. And she's going to take my life. So I've got to go and I have to hide. You can't hide from the responsibilities that you had before God. Whether it's a father or whether it's a mother, a husband or a wife, whether it's parents, whether it's just a child of God in general. God always has something for us to do. Retirement homes are not meant to be completely ministryless. You don't go to a retirement home with the idea that I'm just going to sit back and wait till death overtakes me. I know there was a fellow in that church and I, I tried to express when he found himself in a nursing home which he detested. And, and I, I don't know that it's a comfortable place to want to be. It's not, it certainly it's not like home. But if God has you placed in a nursing home, he's got a ministry for you there. Somehow, some way, some shape, some form, he's got a ministry for you there. What doest thou here, Elijah? Well, what Jezebel's armies and famine couldn't do, loneliness did. As we look in verse 10. And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts, forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars. And everything he said is true. But he does remind him later on in the scriptures there, he said, yet, yet I have 7,000. Elijah, you're not alone. You're not alone. And so, God was not done with Elijah. God had more work for Elijah to do. If you were to read on into chapter 19, there, there was the anointing of Hazael to be king over Syria. He wanted Elijah to do that. There was also the anointing of Jehu to be king over Israel. He still had yet to do that. The anointing of Elisha, his replacement was also there because Elijah was going to be translated. He was going to be taken up in a chariot to be with the Lord. So, but he states and he's one last thing, Elijah. One last thing. They may not have had the backbone that you had, but I've got 7,000. 7,000 who have not bowed the knee and every mouth that has not kissed the idol. Elijah 19, verse 18. You know, I, I believe with all my heart that when we get to a place where we allow loneliness to dictate our emotions and our feelings, that is, to override common sense, that we do sit down and feel our life is over, our ministry is finished, Lord, you might as well just take me home. And so, idleness is not the solution for loneliness. 
being busy for the Lord is, however, also a very important solution to loneliness is to be busy for the Lord. God puts you in a nursing home, guess what? Get a Bible study going. If God puts you wherever he puts you, you can always present the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can always be praying. You have more, listen, you have more time to pray. More time to pray for better, for better preachers, bigger preachers, and church growth, and a lot of these other things that you can be praying for. Uh, no, the problem with loneliness, you sit there and, and you stew. It's, got, it's like sitting in a rocking chair, a whole lot of action going on there, but no move, a lot of movement, but no action, no, no, no action really going on. A lot of movement, but no action. So when we realize this, it gives us purpose. It revitalizes. It makes one feel useful rather than abandoned. When you can do something for God, and you sense the presence and you sense the power of God at work in your lives. God allows and even places us in circumstances, in places, so that we can serve him. A nursing home may not be the place we would choose. But it may be the place that God chooses to serve him while we may be there. Think of the ministry a resident could have in a nursing home. I tried to convince this individual while he was in a nursing home. I said, listen, rather than stewing and brewing about what you don't have or what now isn't, how about if you just turn this time over to God and witness to these people? I mean, you've got people here who are a lot closer to death than a lot of other people. And you could be witnessing to them. You could start a Bible study and, and have a ministry right here. And you know what? What a, what a blessing to get up each day and know that you've got a Bible study go, going on that day. What a blessing it is to know that you have someone that you can witness to and share the gospel with. Whether it's a, a nursing home worker, whether it's a, rehabilitate, a, re, a rehab worker, or whoever it might be. They need to know Christ. Amen. Someone's got to minister to them other than the church taking a few minutes out of their busy schedule in the month to go there and, and to have a service whenever. You're there every day. You get to know these people. You get to know their weaknesses. You get to know their strengths. You get to know whether they're saved or not. You get a lot of information that you can turn over and use that in your prayer life for them and, and to lead Bible studies. Even in your community if you've retired and you feel so lonely. Hold a, hold a Bible study in your home. Open your home up. Open up your living room and have a Bible study. Get a good solid King James version of the Bible and a good KJV Bible study and host it right there. And if they try to bring any of the Bible across the threshold, tell them to get rid of it. Hand them a King, hand them a King James. Amen? So they can have the right Bible in the right place at the right time. Well, listen. We are never done serving the Lord unless he makes it impossible or takes us home. God always has places that he wants us to serve. Now, a few tough questions to pose to ourselves when we are feeling lonely as we close. Number one, is my loneliness my fault in that I refuse to busy myself for the Lord? I don't know of too many people, when you say, how's things going? Oh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. I'm constantly on the go. That's a good thing, to be on the go. Because then you don't have time to sit down and think about how lonely you are. Because in essence, you really are because you're really busy. Making all kinds of friends in the Lord. Is my loneliness due to, my, uh, due to self-pity? My idleness or my self-sufficiency? Is my loneliness due to being wrapped up in myself or in my circumstances? The interesting thing is that 
wherever we may find ourselves and whatever life dishes out to us, God is opening a new door of ministry to us. Giving us satisfying doors of opportunity to continue to serve him. I think of the widows that we have in our ministry, uh, our missionary list, and the fact that they have been left behind because God has taken their spouses home to be with him. Now, folks, there was the day when husbands and wives worked together to raise a home. Now it's hard. But working side by side with your spouse, if you can do it without killing each other and allow God to work wonderfully with you, it's amazing what you can accomplish. But all the immediate pain you want, one would feel when that spouse goes home to be with the Lord. And we have a choice. Are we going to brew that God took our loved one away? Or are we going to get busy and continue what has, what has been started? Now, each one of these misses their husband, whom they work side by side with for years on the mission field. Each one of them, as they are capable, are still very busy for the Lord. Mrs. Janet Bruchel had served in Kobe, Japan for years, years and years with her husband, Ralph. And they came back to the States on health issues and Ralph passed away. Janet is now working out of her son's church because for some reason, Japanese families come to that area temporarily. So there's going to be some sort of business there that they come with their families, and she has Bible studies. She knows the culture. She speaks the language. She is busy doing what she can, praying for and encouraging these Japanese women to learn English using the scriptures as a process. She's busy in her son-in-law's church. Mrs. Dottie Rosser, Brother Frank Rosser, held our first missions conference here at Calvary Baptist Church in 1980. Might have been 80, 79 or 80, so one of those two years there. They were missionaries to Honduras. He came back to the States. He was a field director for Central America. And he also succumbed to an illness. But she has been busy encouraging the preachers in Honduras, raising funds, raising money, letting others know what the needs are in Honduras. She communicates with them fervently to be an encouragement. She hasn't given up. She continues as an elderly lady. Mrs. Jocelyn Rayu is still winning souls for her home church in River de Lou, Canada, in Montreal. She talks to everyone and anybody. And I know that she loved her husband. Her husband served as, as, as the pastor at the church there at River de Lou. But she's busy, busy, busy. All her daily activities that take her one place to another place, she's either giving out tracts or talking to people about the Lord. Does she miss him? Yes. Mrs. Faith Brennan, outside of um, Medina Nagnos, who was our first missionary that we took on here at Calvary, full time. Faith is a New Englander. Her parents were missionaries. Her husband's parents were missionaries also in Brazil. Tim was a, a strapping guy, but his health began to deteriorate. 
the ministry at Camp Canaan in Brazil and working with the Cayenne Gang Indians. It's a lot of work. But she's busy. She didn't come off the mission field and say, well, God took my husband. I'm coming home. No, she stayed there. And she's active. She's involved. She's busy with her sons and, and, and daughters-in-laws running the camp. Souls are being saved. Outreaches are being conducted on a regular basis. She didn't give up. I'm sure she misses um, Tim, Tim Brennan. I know, I'm sure she misses Tim Brennan. I'm sure that each one of these misses their husbands. John chapter 20, verse 21. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. We're going to close with that song. Even so send I you. Our ministries here are not done until we breathe our last breath and God takes us home. Then you won't have to worry about loneliness at all. But folks, loneliness isn't a sentence. It is an opportunity to continue to serve the Lord. And if one chooses to do so, they won't have time to be lonely. No time for self-pity as God provides more grace, more of himself, and others to fill your life. It should be our daily prayer that as the years pass by, that as we grow older, we do so with grace. You know, there is no earthly reason why a professing Christian who has walked with the Lord should become a cantankerous old coot. Amen? And yet they are, they are out there. Listen, if we have walked with God and God has walked with us through our, through, our, through our earthly Christian ministries, when we come to that day, why can't we have, or why can't we exude the grace of God? Amen? Because God's going to bring us in contact with others who need to see what living for God does for an individual. You don't have nurses standing down the hallway and say, hey, it's your turn to go take care of this guy. No, it's your turn. No, I, I, did, I did it two days ago. No, now it's your turn. But rather than have someone say, you know what? I want that to be my patient. I want that to be my, 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 uh, my case for sure. And so I do not want to grow old and bitter, but rather by God's abundant grace, I want to be a blessing when I get older. And I am older, but I'm not as old as God's going to let me get, and I have no idea when that is. I do not want to put myself on a shelf when God can still empower and use me. It may not be as much as he does now or has in the past, but he can still use me, still use me. So I do not want to put myself in that position. How about you today? In God's armory, we have the defensive weapon of selflessness in service to overcome loneliness. Selflessness is an antidote for loneliness. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time that we can be together. Lord, it may seem like an odd subject, and not because we're an older congregation, but Lord, every one of us is getting older day by day. But loneliness knows no boundaries. It knows no age. Young people feel very lonely. 
I can't help but feel how foster children must feel awful lonely that nobody really wants them. I think of a, a spouse who is saved, who has gotten saved, and for years has lived a very godly life with a spouse who has not. And Lord, I know it must feel lonely. Lord, I think of my own mother praying and waiting for 40 some odd years for my dad to come to a saving faith in you. And it did come about and they had some good years toward the end. But Lord, wherever loneliness may try to creep in and render us lifeless, listless, useless, hopeless, may we be reminded by the Holy Spirit of God and as we're going through the scriptures that Lord, you're not done with us. You weren't done with Elijah and you're not done with us. So, Lord, strengthen us and encourage us to live the life that you'd have us to live now. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, whether at home or here in the sanctuary today. Uh, we're all made up of different emotions. We all have, some have strong emotions here and weaker emotions over there. But what about this? Are you asking God, say, God, I really don't, be an, I don't want to grow to be an old grouch. Lord, I want, to, I want to grow old with grace. I want to be as sweet as a stick of candy. Lord, I want people to be around me so that I can share the wonderful riches that I have in Christ Jesus. And I think of Jocelyn as she walks through her community in River de Lou. And she wants everybody in River de Lou to know her Savior. Even though she doesn't have an active role, particularly in that ministry, her ministry is to go soul winning in her, in her community. Listen, don't put yourself on the rack or on the shelf. God still wants to use you. And in your prayer time, say, Lord, I'm not sure how you want to use me. Lord, I'm available. Lord, use me. Use me for your honor. Use me for your glory. And who knows, you may bring about the salvation of a number of people, older, younger, middle aged. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Preacher, pray for me in closing today. I don't ever want to reach that place where I feel I have no utilitarian use by God. Preacher, pray for me today. I, I, I want to be usable. I, I want my last breath to honor and to glorify the Lord. Preacher, pray for me. Yes. Hands are here and hands are at home. Listen, I, I don't know what the age group is, but I, listen, make the same choice. Make the same decision that you want God to use you to your last heartbeat to bring honor and to be glory to him. Now, maybe this, this morning you're saying, preacher, I don't even know if I've got a home in heaven today. The first thing that God wants you to know is that he loves you. He sent his son to die so you wouldn't have to sinfully die, that is to die alienated from God, but that you could become a part of the family of God by receiving his son. And I would that you would consider seriously this morning that if you do not know where you're going to spend in eternity, that you would really turn to the Lord and accept him because he is the only way. He is the only answer. He's the only one who ever died and was risen from the dead. Only one who had sinless blood that was offered to cleanse us from our sin. No other idol, no other false religion of the world has such a magnificent say, uh, power available as does the Christian faith.
Accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that, see me after the service. Be glad to talk with you. But in the meantime, we're going to have a communion service this morning. I'm going to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, Steve and uh, Daniel and uh, AJ, if you could come.